I hate to admit, but that family Christmas vacation is my favorite Christmas movie. Of all the Christmas movies to choose from, you know, Wonderful Life, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, this is my favorite. I love this movie. And probably the reason why I like it so much and why so many other people like it is because we try so hard to have the perfect Christmas. We invite our, our friends and our family, and we invite our in-laws in, and, and you try to have this big holiday meal, this big Christmas meal, and you work so hard, but at the end of the day, it just turns out to be a disaster. And so we all in some way can relate to that. But also, you know, for me, from the week of Thanksgiving to January the 2nd, this is my favorite time of the year. People seem to be in a permanent good mood amidst of all the craziness that's going on. You try to, you know, get things done, but yet everyone's focused on Christmas. But the problem with this, you know, at the week of Thanksgiving comes the Black Friday ads. Also, for me and my brothers when we were younger, we get the Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog. Anybody remember that? The Wish Book, and you get all the new toys and stuff of what's coming out. We love that. We go through that tons of times. Then also you got the Christmas commercials. And then on K104.7, they start singing Christmas carols and Christmas songs all throughout. And then you get excited because you, you hear these things and you like these things and you see all these Christmas carols. And my wife's favorite Christmas song, It's Not a Carol, is by Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Then we hear the song, All I Want for Christmas is my two front teeth, my two front teeth, my two front teeth. Everybody, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. You know, and so we hear that. And one song that has been stuck in my mind since Thanksgiving that I can't get out of my head, it is, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. All a hippopotamus will do. And I hope that sticks in your head too the rest of the Thanks holiday. But these songs, it's want. I want this. I want that. I want the biggest. I want the brightest. I want the newest. I want the best version or the newest version out there. You know, and so this Christmas season, instead of it being about joy and about contentment and about a relationship with Jesus Christ, it becomes a season of discontent. We see all the stuff out there that we can't have. You know, if you believe all the commercials, you know, if you could uh, eat it, you could roll it on, you could spray it on, and you could drive it, you'd be content. And on a side note, of all the commercials that's out there on TV, I hate those Lexus commercials where they're giving us gifts. They'll hear a little ring of the phone, they open up, and there it is. That just makes me sick. I throw up a little bit in my mouth. I'm like, that's all bad. I hate that commercial. But they would make you believe that your contentment could last, or at least until next Christmas. And that's not so. And I think this is the problem that America is in right now. I think this is why we have the debt crisis that we do. is because we're not content. We struggle with debt. We struggle with things that really we shouldn't even worry about. And so that's a problem that we have right now in America. And so today I want you to understand, when I say me or I, or when I say you or us, I'm talking to everybody in here. Because I think it's a problem that we all have. I think it's a problem that we all struggle with. But yet we desire, we want so much to have contentment. We want to have a joy-filled, content, satisfying life. And somehow we miss the mark with this. So before I dive head into the message down about contentment, let's pray. 
you bow your heads with me and pray with me? God, you're an awesome God. I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I thank you for everyone that's in here. I pray today that you use me to communicate clearly what you've placed on my heart. I pray you use me to communicate it with love, but with boldness. Then I won't hold back, and I glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Philippians 4, 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul writes, and Paul, he, was, he wrote most of the New Testament. And when Paul writes a letter, when you look at his different letters, we're going to look at um, uh, Corinthians today, and also we're going to look at Philippians today. And that's where most of our message series has come from, from Philippians. But when Paul's writing letters to these people, he is addressing a certain situation that that church in that area has been struggling with. And in this letter with the Philippians, Paul loves the Philippians. He has a great relationship with the Philippians. They have treated Paul greatly. But they were having a problem with contentment. And they were having a problem with joy. And so Paul is addressing this in this part of the verses today that we'll be reading from. So in Philippians 4, chapter 12, verse 11, chapter 4, 11 through 12, Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So what is Paul saying here? What is contentment? I can tell you that contentment is not laziness. Contentment is not apathy. And contentment is not complacency. But what contentment is, it's independent from circumstances. If there's anything you get from this today, this is what I want you to get, that contentment is independent from your circumstances. That no matter what you're going through, your contentment is not based upon your circumstances. That's happiness. Being happy is based upon the happiness, the happenings that's going on around you in your life. When the NFL season started, the first three weeks, I was excited because the Redskins were winning. Past seven weeks, I have not been so happy. I've been frustrated. I want a new coach. I want a new quarterback. I want a new offensive line. I want a new owner. I'm not happy. And so you see how our happiness is based upon happenings that's around us. Joy and contentment comes from the inside. It's eternal. It's in your heart. It's not based upon things that are going on around you. Paul says contentment is learned. It is not something that is instant. It is not a one-time experience. Contentment is not you pull it off the shelf, you add water, you stir, you put it in the microwave for three minutes, ding, you pull it out, and it's done. you got contentment. That's not contentment. Contentment you learn through the school of hard knocks. You learn through the school of hard knocks. Has anybody in here been to that school? Say we all have. And so we learn contentment through our life, through our school of hard knocks. It's not a one-time moment. It's not a one experience. But it's a lifelong lesson that we need to learn. Paul here is just trying to instruct us what contentment is. And it saddens me to think that there are people who die a life that's unfulfilled, unsatisfied, never experience joy or contentment. And that's sad. So how do we learn contentment? Number one, Paul gives us several things on how to learn contentment. One of those is learn to avoid comparisons. Learn to avoid comparisons. Stop comparing yourself to others. 
because that will always lead to discontentment. Philippians 4.11b, and any time you see like 4.11 and b, b is just referring to the second part of the verse, or a would be the first part of the verse. So just to let you know, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So this comes not from comparing yourself. If you want to learn contentment, then you need to learn to avoid comparisons with other people. There will always be people who have more money, who make more money, who have a better job, who have a better situation, a bigger house. There will always be people who will have more than what you have. And you need to understand that you've got to stop looking at that. Before I became on staff here, I've had my real estate license. And I practice real estate. And going to these model homes, these brand new, nice model homes, Walk in there, they're nicely decorated. You walk into the kitchen, and they've got the plates all stacked according to the color, and you smell all the sugar cookie aromas and stuff. That is awesome. Then I go to my house, and there's clothes everywhere. The plates are not coordinated properly, and it doesn't smell like a sugar cookie. And you get frustrated. You're like, oh, man, I've got to have this house. I've got to have this nice new house and stuff. And I'll take my wife along with me. Look at, babe, we got to get this house. This is our house for us. But Courtney reminds me that what we have right now is good for us. It meets our needs. It's exactly what we need. And then also, too, when you have problems with your car, we had to put money into the car, the transmission that went out. And so it's like, oh, this is my opportunity right here to get a new car. And so I start looking on Craigslist, and I start um, going to auto dealerships and stuff, and I'm looking for the Chevrolet Avalanche. That is what I want, a 07 or newer. And so I get all excited, and the more I look, the more I get frustrated with the car that I've got. But then when I decide what Courtney and I are trying to do with our life, and that's to get out of debt and so we could glorify God more with our finances and stuff, I really understand, I begin to understand that's not exactly what I need. And so I have to stop looking at the things around me. I have to stop looking at the Chevrolet Avalanche because I will become discontent with what I've got. And I have to understand that what I have right now is not permanent. It's only temporary because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is temporary, what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul was saying here, we don't look at the things that are around us right now. We don't look at the troubles. We don't look at the things that we have or we don't have. We don't look at those things. The troubles that we have will soon be over. But that we look forward to heaven. I don't look around. I look up. I look up to God and see and understand that what's going on right now will not last. It's only temporary. And so there's some misconceptions about contentment and about joy that I want to talk about. And there's three of them. The first one is, I must have what others have in in order to experience joy or contentment. I must have what others have and to experience joy or contentment. And that's not true. You don't have to have what they have. You don't have to have whatever it is they have. You can never keep up with the Joneses. You don't know their situation. They may be in incredible debt, and their family is about to fall apart. You don't have to have that. So stop comparing yourself to them. Number two, I must be like everyone, and I must be liked by everyone in order to be content. 
And I tell you, I struggle with this. I want to be liked. I like being liked. And I think a lot of us struggle with that, that we want to be liked. We want everyone to be happy with what we're doing. And I want to tell you, I've realized in my life that if I'm doing what God's called me to do, He's the only one I need to please. And then so no matter what I'm doing, and if there's nobody else around me that is not happy, but I'm doing what God's called me to do, that's where my assurance comes from. That's where my peace, that's where my patience comes from. It comes from the Lord. And then number three, having more will make you more content. Having more will make you more content. Howard Hughes, who was a great inventor, he was asked a question, how much more money does it take to make a man happy? And he says, just a little more. Just a little more. Have you noticed that when your income goes up, so does your expenses? As we get that bonus or we get that raise, you know, so do our expenses. And it's a struggle. We all understand it. We all feel it. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. All possessions here on this earth is temporary. They're not going to last. The possessions that we have, we can enjoy them. We can have fun with them. We can share our possessions. We can use our possessions to glorify God. But they're not going to last. We've been a mobile church for 12 years. We've got this beautiful building. We do great things in this building. People's lives are changing. We reach out into the community, into the neighborhoods around us. Even as great as that is, it will not last. This building will fade away. When my boy was born, Michael Dean, I was in the delivery room. Doctor brought him out, Dr. Jones, and I was like, there Michael Dean was. He was on the iPad, and he had on these nice new clothes. I'm like, holy smokes, that's my boy. But if you've ever been in the delivery room, you know that's not true. When they are born, they are holding nothing. They have nothing. And when we die, when he dies, we will all have nothing. We will all leave everything here. I've never been to a funeral. I've been to several funerals. I've never been to a funeral. I visited the casket, and there were boxes all stacked up around the casket with all the personal's belongings. Never. I've never left the church and a funeral line going to the cemetery behind a U-Haul with the person's belongings. Never. Because that stuff does not last. That stuff will fade away. The, when I was in high school, I had this poster, and it had like these, all these expensive cars and um, helicopters and airplanes, and it said at the bottom of it, he who dies with the most toy wins. And that's not true. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. And so we need to understand that all of our possessions is temporary. The root problem to our contentment is looking at what other people have and what we don't have, and we need to stop. Number two, we need to learn to adjust to change. Life is full of ups and downs, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. There's nothing certain in life except change. Change is constant. The only person that likes change is a baby, a baby with a wet diaper. They like change. And sometimes you have to fight to even change their diaper. But how well do you handle change? 
How well do you handle when things are shaken up in your life? How well do you do you cope with the changing circumstances in your life? Do you get frightened? Do you get nervous? Do you get angry or uptight? Paul says, I have learned the secret of contentment in life. It's the ability to adjust to all kinds of circumstances and change. Paul says, you need to learn to adjust to it, and your joy will depend largely on the ability for you to able to adjust to change. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I have seen good times and I've seen bad. I have seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days I thought would never end. That's from James Taylor, not Paul. But it's still the same thing. What did it teach me? I have learned to be independent of my circumstances. I have been well fed, and I've been hungry. I have had plenty, and I have had nothing. But in all that, my circumstances are not going to control who I am. And when Paul was writing this, he was in a prison. And he had probably been in prison for years at this time. And so while he was writing that, he was probably cold because they, in Rome they don't take care of our prisoners there like we do here so he was probably cold hungry probably ate you know, very little but yet Paul says I'm content I'm not worried Paul says I have every reason to be bitter I have every reason to be angry but I am not going to be victimized by my situation Regardless of what's going to happen to me in my life, I will not be a victim. I choose not to believe because my life is independent upon the circumstances that I'm living in right now. And God will take care of me and he will help me and meet my needs. I struggle with people when they say, you ask them, how's everything going? Well, I'm okay under the circumstances. But the thing is, if you're a Christian, you have a relationship with God, you're not meant to be under the circumstances. You're meant to be above the circumstances, living above the circumstances. Because our life, our contentment, our joy is not dependent upon the circumstances. It's independent of the things that are going on in our life. There are three kinds of circumstances in life that we, that we all part of. Number one, there are circumstances that I can control, and I do. That would be like if I'm hungry, I get up off the couch, I go to the refrigerator, or I go to McDonald's or Zaxby's, one of my favorites, KW Cafeteria, Canes and Walkers. I love that place. But that's a circumstance I can control, my hunger. I can control my hunger. If I'm watching CNN, and I just don't like CNN, so I change it to Fox News, or I'm watching ESPN, and the Redskins are losing horribly. I could change it to the other game. You know, those are circumstances that I can change. But then there are circumstances that I can control and I don't. There are circumstances that I can control and I don't. Contentment is not an excuse for laziness. Contentment is not an excuse for laziness or complacency. You don't need contentment if you can control the situation. You need to get up and do something about that situation. And number three, 
those I cannot control, the events in life, the circumstances in life that I cannot control. And we all have those. When you're in a circumstance in your life that you cannot control, that's when you need contentment. That's when you need help. That's when God will help you with those, with those things. You've done your best. You've done everything that you can. You have tried your hardest. Nothing's changing. So you just need to relax, let go, and let God take care. You know, sometimes we have to adjust to change, but we need to adjust to people. And it's amazing to me, the people that can surround your life that could just destroy your contentment, that can destroy your joy, destroy your happiness. It's amazing to me. These people, they always one-up you. They always have a better story. They always know it all. They, they've been there and done that type of people. And we all know them. Now, also, on the other hand, if you don't know those people, you don't have a friend, coworker, or neighbor that's like that, then maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the one that needs to adjust and to change. Romans 12, 18, it says, For if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And I want to say on a side note, if you can't live at peace with somebody, then maybe that person shouldn't be around your life as much. So you can live at peace, you can have a content life that is glorifying and pleasing to God. And one final point on, on this part of contentment is adjusting. Humor goes a long way in adjusting to change. There's been people I've been around in my life, and they've had tragedies that happen, and somehow they're able to laugh and, and move on. They've been able to make beauty out of ashes and understand that Life and circumstances are only temporary and able to move on. Number three, learn to draw on Christ's power. Learn to draw on Christ's power. Instead of just depending on your own effort, on my own effort to make it through circumstances, draw your power from Christ. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, I love this verse, and I hate this verse. Here's why. Any Denver Bronco fans in here? Anybody like the Broncos? Anybody who's been paying attention to them the past five weeks? They've been down by a lot. And then Tim Tebow will come in and in the last minute just throw these touchdown passes and they win and stuff. I love Tim Tebow. I'm not knocking him whatsoever. Understand that. But this would be like coming into the football game. You get your offensive team together. Okay, come on, guys. We've got 50 seconds to go. We're on the opposing 20-yard line. We have, we're down by six points, so all we need is a touchdown. We could do this. Everybody put your hands in. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Break. Oof. Then they go off and they go into the field. Now, what if the rival of the Denver Broncos, the Oakland Raiders, will come over here and their quarterback says, okay, guys, we are up by six points. We can do this. We could keep them from scoring a touchdown. We could hold Tim Tebow. We could stack him, and we could win this game, okay? Now, everybody, put your hands in here. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then you're off and go to the field. This is not a sports verse. 
It is not. This is a life verse. This is a verse that's to be applied to your life. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You come home, your house is in a mess, the kids are going crazy. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You go to work and you've got a pile of papers this big that you've got to file and sort, and you've got to get it done before you leave today, and you have no extra overtime. You can do all things through Christ who give you strength. You go into work and your boss is a jerk continually, having to deal with him, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And I say this verse over and over because I have to deal with it in my own self. I struggle with it. I have to say I can, I can do this through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I have been the teacher of teachers. I have been the persecutor of persecutors. I have been rich and I have been poor. My circumstances have run the gamut from being humble to abounding. I have had a full stomach and an empty stomach. You beat me, put chains on me, you throw me in jail. I don't care. I will tell everyone about Jesus Christ. You stone me, you beat me, you try to kill me, that's fine too. Because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord in heaven forever. So I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My circumstances, my contentment is independent from my circumstances. That is what Paul was talking about. My contentment and my strength are not from the externals. My contentment and my strength are not from the things that are going on around me. Paul did not choose to want as a way of life. He chose as a life to be empowered, to be above his circumstances. Another version of the Bible called the Jerusalem Bible, it says this verse this way. There is nothing I cannot master with the help of the one who gives me strength. What do you need to get control of today? You need to get control of your time. You need to get control of your tongue. Is it a bad habit? Is it sin? Is it debt? What do you need to get control of today? Paul says, I can master all things with the help of Christ who gives me strength. And I've had to quote this verse so many times in my life. And, that, and I'm not saying when I quote this verse, I just get these all tinglys and I start to glow and elevate over the floor. That's not what happens. But what happens is somehow I'm able to make it through that circumstance, through that moment. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's ability. Now, like I said, Paul writes letters, and this is the Corinthian church that he was writing this letter to. This is the second letter that Paul wrote to the church. And if you look between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul's tone is different. In 2 Corinthians, the Corinthian church, had they started becoming prideful in what was going on. They say, hey, other churches, Philippi, look at us. Jerusalem, look at us. Uh, Greece, you know, look at us. Look what's going, over, going on over here. There are great things that are going on over here. God's power, people are being healed, miraculous signs and wonders. We're doing great things to God, and we're a big help to the Apostle Paul. We have no problems at all going on. Things are awesome over here. And so they began to compare themselves to other churches because they were not experiencing problems or heartaches. They felt that they were super Christians. And so Paul sees this, and he has to address this with them. Paul says, church, understand this. 
I have had this problem for a long time. I have prayed to the Lord, we know of at least three times, to help me with this. I need God to help take this problem away from me. And He won't. And so God's response to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response to that is, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so Christ's power may rest on me. His power may rest on me. In this life, you're going to have problems. You're going to have circumstances that are beyond your control. You're going to have things that are trying to pull you down. But you need to understand that Christ's power is strong enough and sufficient enough to pull you through those circumstances that you cannot control. I've spoken about learn to avoid comparisons, lean, learn to adjust to change, learn to draw on Christ's power. And my final point, number four, learn to trust God to meet my needs. Learn to trust God to meet my needs. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not some of your needs, not most of your needs, not the religious part of your needs, but he says all of your needs. I will meet all of your needs. How many here own your How many here have a home or home with a mortgage on it? You've got a mortgage on your home. You know that you have to have insurance on your home. And so when you get your insurance, there's a thing called a policy. And in that policy, it states what is covered on your house. And you don't have to worry about those things that's covered on your house. That's what God's Bible is to our life. It's our life policy. It lets us know what God will take care of in our life. And there's a lot of people who don't even know this. Because they're far from God. They don't have a relationship with God. But God promises us over 6,000 times that He will take care of us. That He's watching over us. That He loves us. That He desires to be in a relationship for us. And that we don't have to worry. In Matthew 6, 31-33, it says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of lost flowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think He'll attend to you? He'll take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God, God initiative, God's provision. Don't worry about missing out. You will find all your everyday human concerns will be met. You know the real reason why people are not happy? Not joyful, not content, because they don't have God in their lives. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. And in in the 80s, when you're growing up, you watch Saturday Night Live, and they had Buckwheat to sing. Buckwheat was singing Puck and Pernub in all the wrong places. So every time I hear that phrase, all I hear is Buckwheat saying it. But people are looking for love, looking for fulfillment, looking for contentment, in all the wrong places. They go from job to job, relationship to relationship, from sports to hobbies, from hobbies to this, from this to that, looking for something to fill the void in your life. And it's not going to happen. God specifically designed us with a God-shaped 
role in our life. And the thing that God wants us to have, He wants us to have a joyful, filled life, a satisfying life. He said it in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life, that you might have it abundantly. God desires us to have life in the fullest. He desires us to experience a full life. He has promised us that. And as Elijah, he's coming to start playing on the keyboards. What do you need help with today? What do you need help with in your life? What are you struggling with? What circumstances do you feel that have just got you overwhelmed and that you just cannot make it through? Maybe today it's like verse 1. You're having a problem with comparing yourself. Understand that Psalms says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Stop looking at other people and understand that you are a creation of God. He desires to be in relationship with you. He cares for you so much in Psalms that he says that your name is written on the palm of his hand. That every time he lifts his hands up, he sees your name. You matter to God. What situation in life are you struggling with? Is it your marriage? Are you wanting to be married? Is it your job? What is it that you're struggling with? What circumstance in your life just keeps changing? You just can't get a hold of it. Learn to adjust to change. Paul says, I have learned to be content in any and every situation. And I want you to understand, if you could change it, change the situation. Don't be lazy. But if you cannot change the situation, learn contentment that God will help you in that situation. Are you tired and weak? Are you fatigued, just worn out all the time? That is a good indication that you're doing it yourself, that you're trusting on your own strength. Rely on God's power. Rely on His strength. And finally, do you feel just overwhelmed in your situation? That it's just beyond you? Understand that Paul was not overly joyed about being in prison. He wasn't overly joyed about being stoned and beaten. So when you're in a circumstance in your life that you just cannot handle, that doesn't mean just to put on a happy face. I can do this. What it means is accepting the reality that you're in. And to understand that God's power, Christ's power, can help you in that situation. And in that moment, that I can handle it, I can cope with the help of God. Today, I'm going to ask you to stand before I go to prayer. What are you struggling with? In your bulletin is a connection card, the base connection card that our youth pastor Will mentioned earlier. If you've got something that you're struggling with in your life, I want to pray with you about it and let me know. The best way to do that is through a connection card. If you've got discontentment in your life, you've got that hole in your life, the emptiness that's in your life, 
and you've tried everything you can to fill that, but God, and today you want to try something different, they put a B on there so I know to follow up with you this week and also use that as an invitation to invite God into your life to fill that hole, to fill that void. Because no matter what you try, nothing is going to fill that hole like Christ. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your love. I thank you that you care for us enough to give us the ability to make it on circumstances that is out of our control. You promise to give us fulfillment. You promise to give us contentment and the strength and the power to make it through any situation. And for anyone that's in here, Lord, I pray today that you just speak to them, to give them encouragement. Give them your strength. And God, if there's anyone in here that's not in a relationship with you, I pray today that they will sense your presence in their life. You're drawing them to be in a relationship with them. I thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.